And hi again, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the IceCast Report. I'm Anthony, joined by Tim. As today, we break down the Penguins' 21-0 loss to Northern Iowa, talk about what happened in the home opener, and get ready to preview Southern Illinois that, at first glance, looked like a could be a competitive game for the Penguins on the schedule. And now, if what happened yesterday could be far from it. But, Tim, let's get into it. Uh, the Penguins, again, first half they fought. They were in the game again. Last week, down 11 nothing at halftime. This week, 6 nothing, uh, And really stymied uh, the conference's first team all-quarterback, Will McElvain, and the Panthers. It's just, again, this offense is downright, utterly embarrassing. There's, there's nothing to sugarcoat it. The coaching staff knew what they had coming in. They didn't take this job without knowing what they had. They had all of summer and fall practice to evaluate this. And when you know you don't have the talent in certain positions, it's up to you to scheme to get guys open, you know, to get these explosive plays. And to me, it seems like the whole excuse last week of being conservative uh, first game, you know, new scheme, bad field position, first half, okay, fine. This week, no excuses. It is a game plan to me that screams, let's not lose by 50. And that's where we're at right now. Let's not lose by 50. It was very, very frustrating to watch. It was a game of two different tales. As you just mentioned, the defense played fantastic. Uh, Second week in a row, the defense went up a top-ranked offense and came out looking like a team that wants to compete and win ball games. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's difficult to throw shutouts. It really, truly is. I don't care who you are. Unfortunately, if the YSU's defense did throw a shutout this past week, it would have ended up in a 0-0 tie. <laughs> and that that tells you the problem you have. I understand this is an inexperienced team. I mean, you have four freshmen on the offensive line. You have a, a receiving core that's unproven. You have a running backs that are unproven. You have two young quarterbacks that you're trying to figure out what to do. However, even though this is a new coaching staff, This coaching staff was hired basically in January of 2020 and has had plenty of time in the last year, 13 months, to evaluate their players, to know what they have, to scheme what they do best and how to get the most out of them. And in the first two games, we can honestly say this, both opposing coaches absolutely outcoached YSU's head coach and coaching staff. I mean, it was just, it's, it's night and day. It's not even fair fight. Does that mean I hate Doug Phillips and I don't want to see him succeed? No. Uh, I will say this. He's overmatched right now and it's showing. And uh, he has to recognize the skill sets that each player he has make decisions offensively and move forward and try to do this. This team lacks identity. It has absolutely no identity on offense. The play calling is too erratic. It is, it reminds me of watching a junior varsity game and maybe an eighth grade game where you have a coach who just does not know what he's going to do next. And he only has an offensive coach and him usually maybe a, maybe a third coach at that level. That's not the case here. This is a division one FCS championship uh, caliber program so he has plenty of people around him 
and he has plenty of people who knows what they're doing. And he honestly, truly believe this with uh, and without any knowledge that Jim Trestle is not involved. Okay, he has other responsibilities. Yeah, he cares. I'm sure he shows up and he listens and he talks and he yes. mentors. I'm 100% sure he does all of that. And just because I think that's who he is, that type of leader. I also believe that he has a lot more other responsibilities more important than the football team. Yep. So that is one of the responsibilities I think he truly cares how it succeeds and and how it looks to the community. What's a moneymaker for him? Well, more than that, I think it is the face of the university. And it has yeah, been it for, for 80 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just the way it works. Your your sports programs are the face of your university going, and they are your biggest PR thing that's in the paper every week, every day. Obviously, your, your colleges and uh, the success that they have matter, you know, in the classroom and that and how they work in a community. Obviously, that is, it's, that's totally different and it's important, but that doesn't get the same publicity as you do on a basketball court or a football field or a baseball field or a, you know, a soccer pitch, whatever the case may be, because that's what people come to pay to watch. The problem what you're seeing the first two games here is you're not going to give anybody who's gone to these games or gone to last Saturday's game, watched last Sunday's game on TV, a reason to spend their money. No. Uh, and that's and that's a major concern when one of the reasons why you didn't play in the fall was you needed to, to have some type of income coming in mm-hmm. in the spring. Uh, I mean, that's a totally different subject, but it, it does matter. It intertwines in my eyes. Uh, why issue football program lacks identity. It lacks good decision-making. And it lacks vision of what they are today. Not what they'll be five years from now. Five years from now is a totally different path than today. They do not intersect. They're totally two different paths. You have a job and a challenge in front of you in 2021, and you have a very short time to make a big impression on a community. And every coach that's come in since Jim Trestle has at least attempted to make that impression. This coach does not seem to understand that, at least what in the first two weeks and how he's handled uh, the situation he finds himself in. I'm hoping that I'm just being really hard on the guy. I really do. I didn't see any improvement, any climbing of the ladder from week one to week two, and maybe even some regression. That's a concern. Uh, let's get into it, Tim. Uh, you know, let's start defensively because that's where we've obviously made our impression, so to speak. I thought for the most part the defense battled their butt off again. Obviously, yes. Uh, they're not as talented as uh, they need to be to be a top unit in the conference. But the Penguins, uh, I heard somebody say yesterday at the game, Tim, the Penguins right now defensively are playing at a playoff level. May not be, you know, great, but they are giving you every chance to win games against top five teams in the country. Not just your conference, but top five teams in the country. And your defense, while it lacks some aggressiveness, it is playing its absolute rear end off. Um, 
again, yesterday, six points allowed in the first half. No touchdowns until late fourth quarter when you're absolutely gassed from being on the field. Tim, Northern Iowa ran 73 plays. They ran the ball 44 times compared to our 43 plays total. I mean, that right there just screams we have no identity at all. Are you going to be a run team, which Pelini wanted to be last year? Are you going to be a passing team, which they are setting, they're making Woody Hayes' offense and Bo Schembecker's offenses look like Mike Leach offenses. I mean, this whole thing, we are averaging 3.5 yards of, or excuse me, 3.4 yards of pass play. Navy and Georgia Tech average more, Tim. <laughs> I, I mean, a team that is supposed to be a option offense averages more yards downfield. We threw the ball three times past 10 yards. Three, three. There's there's doing? a huge there's a huge disconnect. There's a huge problem in identifying what you want to be. All right. You look at YSU's history. There's no question that the best offensive mind YSU's had in the last 15 years was Shane Montgomery. Mm-hmm. You knew what his offense was. It was a spread offense. You were going to throw down the field. You were going to set up the run. And when you ran, you ran the ball strongly. And they ran the ball out of the spread. And where was one of the most successful running teams in the league uh, when he had it going right under two different head coaches. And one of the reasons in 2016, they were able to get to a, a FCS championship game was because of the running game. This team here has no design of an offense for the running game and they're preaching it. Here's the problem that they have had. And now maybe, my vantage point of watching it on ESPN is a little different from yours. The running backs, not necessary. They're following the design of the play mm-hmm. and not seeing the field and seeing cutbacks that are available that have holes in. They had opportunities to get some runs. A few times they they actually got them, yeah, uh, and on the play, and they looked good. The good quality running play. There were a few times where they followed the red shirts in front of them and got nothing. But if I hate saying this because this is really, really harsh. If the running back had his head up and looked, he would have seen the cutback both times, three times, and where there was four or five yards to gain, maybe even more. And that's a difficult play to learn. It takes experience. Take someone to point that out. Look here. You, the play is going to your left. You're following to the left, and everybody's there. However, the look of the two on the outside, they created these two lanes, mm-hmm. one outside and one through the hole. And you could have cut back both times and had running room. That's a difficult thing to teach. But if you work on it, if you point these things out, and I'm sure they are. If I can see it, they can see it. I truly, truly believe. Right now, if I'm Doug Phillips here, and he actually gave a shit what I have to say, settle on a quarterback. The yeah. quarterback is Mark Wade, simply because he offers more a game plan to you. Now, and that does not mean Craycraft can't play. You just have to limit his snaps to mm-hmm. like Jim Trestle used to do to make sure his backup had some experience throughout ready, the season yeah. and ready. And if necessary, can play. I have no problem with that. If it's every, for example, Trestle was really good about the third possession of the first quarter or the third, third possession of the first half would get that player in if circumstances mm-hmm. prevent. Uh, dictated it and he usually did and he did the same thing usually in the second possession of the second half if it dictated it 
Not always it's going to work, but that's what you want to try to do. And he was he even did that at Ohio State a few Ohio times. State, yeah. He was very successful with that battle plan and, and trying to keep others ready to play. Uh, the future of YSU's offense belongs to number seven. Now, design an offense around his skill set. You and I both know he can run, but he's more than a runner. He can throw the ball. We've seen that yes, he at can. Gerard over the years that he started. We know that you're going to have to teach him to read a defense a little bit better, make a little crisper pass, make belief in himself. Now, will that cause more turnovers? Guess what? Yes, but that's okay. Yeah. If you're aggressive and you're learning from it and you're pulling the ball downfield and playing football in 2021, you're doing yourself a service. Uh, they, yes, they, they, they did. They hardly turn over the ball in two games. I don't think they have, uh, but the, the thing is, you can't be this conservative no. in 2021. And this team, it's not going to play the playoffs. No. It may win two games this year. But let's not, right now, let's worry about the next game that's this Saturday at noon. And let's try to win a game and go forward. Let's compete in a game that you have an opportunity in the fourth quarter to win. Not be down 14 points in going into the fourth quarter, not being down 24 to 7 or 25 to 7, whatever the final score was against uh, North Dakota. My point is you need to have yourself in position to compete. You have to attack a defense into its weakness. And quite honest with you, that's what Southern Illinois did against North Dakota last night. Yeah. And, and not a surprise. Uh, that's what you do. That's what you do. You attack a defense. You break them down, and you're going to say, we're going to make them beat us here. If that means running to the left or running to the right, or that means throwing deep, or that means you know getting balls out quick, that's fine. But you have to have an identity of what you want to do and how you want to do it. If, you heard, if you're belief that your quarterback can get you 60 yards a game running and uh, rushing the ball, then create that opportunity to get those first downs and keep drives moving. But you can't go every other, every other series with a different quarterback. Now, Craycraft no. made a nice pass, back shoulder pass. It, yeah. And it looked nice. It was, it, I mean, I'm not saying he can't develop, but you have to make a choice. I don't care which one. But give them the entire game to prove themselves. Exactly. Exactly. It, it would have been much better, in my opinion, if in game one he started Cranecraft and game two he started Wade, Wade and then yep. made a decision. And both of those would have been each given one series each half in, in those two games. That would have been a much better plan than what he has done the first two games. What he's done in the first two games means that he can't make a decision. And he's afraid to make a decision. He's afraid decision. to make a decision to upset people, yeah. And and you can't do that. This is not high school. You don't have the parent knocking down the door saying, my kid is, you know, da 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 yeah. you have to deal with that. And I know he's dealt with that. But he's also dealt at the collegiate level, at Bowling Green, and at Cincinnati. He's not inexperienced as a coach. He knows what he's got to deal with, and he knows how to deal with it. I would... I assume that's one of the reasons why they hired him and he knocked that part of the, the interview out of the ballpark. Mm -hmm. Now it's time for Doug Phillips 
to put on his big boy pants and make some decisions and live with the consequences and the successes of those decisions and then not be afraid to make adjustments, whatever they may be. But let's move forward with an idea, with an idea, with an identity, with a purpose on offense to complement the defense that's playing lights out and give yourself an opportunity to win a ball game in the fourth quarter if that's where it comes down. Or, God forbid, this may sound crazy, to be ahead in a ball game going into the fourth quarter. Uh, you yeah. know, these are the, this is how you win football games. It's not rocket science. A lot of people want to make it out to be. It doesn't matter how you play the game. It is how you execute your game plan and make quality decisions. Yes, talent matters. Obviously, talent matters. If I have 10 more guys than you do, you're in bad shape. Exactly. And we know that. But if I don't put my 10 guys in good position, they ain't going to succeed. And guess what? They're doing that on the defensive side. And last year's defense was terrible. Yes. And and the last two years' defense has been terrible. But this year's defense so far looks pretty damn good. So don't tell me that there's a huge difference in players. Because you know what? They're all in the same program. So now you have to do the same thing on offense. You have to identify your players, build strength in them, build the skill sets that are necessary for them to win. If you can't do that, then at the end of this spring season, you need to resign and move on and let someone else do the job because you're not doing it. And that's just the bottom line because the bottom line in sports is either you win or you get lost. Here's what is baffling to me is last week, Wade leads a nice drive. It didn't result in points. He came back and let a touchdown drive. And we stuck with him the rest of the game. And we're like, he's our guy. And Phillips even said, Mark Wade showed that he can move the offense a little bit better. That's why we just stuck with him. Okay, great. So why not, Tim? Why not do you trot him out yesterday as a starting quarterback? Is he that bad in practice to where, obviously, he's not that bad in practice if he's getting playing time. And then again yesterday, look, I'm not saying that Craycraft can't get it done. Because honestly, we have no idea. He's not given a fair chance either. But to me, and I don't know if you can catch this on the ESPN broadcast, but I can see it from my seat in the stadium that when Craycraft's in the game, watch the defensive line, more particularly defensive ends and the linebackers, they are pinching the middle. They are not respecting any outside quarterback run, quarterback pull. When Wade is in the game, those defensive ends are split a little further apart and the linebackers are a little bit looser because they have respect Mark Wade's playmaking ability. The offense just has a different dynamic with Wade in the game. We talked about this with Baker Mayfield this past couple years when he had a deplorable offensive line. He is better out of the pocket. Why we are still trying to drop back and throw the ball when we clearly don't have the guys up front and we're missing Dan Becker, our best offensive lineman last, is beyond me. Ryan Day does with Ohio State. He rolled fields out. It's okay to roll guys out of the pocket and hit them deep. And then yesterday, Wade leaves good drives, and it's not his fault that we can't make a 38-yard field goal in Division One football still. But then he pulls him out, and then Craycraft gets in the game, 
takes over at his own 10-yard line, leads a nice drive out, like you mentioned, throws a beautiful back shoulder fade that I think he caught, officials rolled incomplete, still rolled past the first, we got the first down, we move the ball, and he takes him out. You know, then Craycraft throws a beautiful ball across the middle. You have to settle on a quarterback. And then, you, don't, you know, the old saying is so is 100% accurate. If you, you have two quarterbacks, you, you don't, don't have, have one. one. And and that's exactly where they're at. Like I said, you got to put on your big boy pants, uh, Coach Phillips, and make a decision. They're at the same position at running back too, Tim. They can't keep alternating McLaughlin and Pearson. Stick with McLaughlin. McLaughlin, excuse me. He has played better the last two games. Eight carries, 38 yards. Not great. Longer run at 10 yards. But like you talked about in the beginning, from your vantage point, there are holes not necessarily there initially, but the cutback is there. And the first, the second, third drive of the game yesterday, he made that cutback to him. He got to the outside. He got us the first down on first down. You know, he ran 10 yards and the cutback is there. Obviously, McLaughlin is an offensive playmaker that we've identified. Get him the ball. Get him the ball. You know, and a point was made to me yesterday during the game. Watch what Northern Iowa did offensively. Every single snap, they were motioning Hampton, number four, or McShane, number one. And then when they motioned their tight ends, it wasn't across the formation. It was they, they pulled them down the line. But that necessarily didn't mean run. When we do it, it's always meaning run. I haven't right. seen well, one that... receiver go in motion, Tim. Not one. You would think the defense would be further behind than the offense because last year, like you talked about, the defense was terrible. Uh, Joe Schaefer came in with very limited Division One experience. He was at John Carroll a couple of years ago. No shot to John Carroll, but John Carroll, the MVFC, are two totally different animals. Troy Rothenbuehr, the offensive coordinator, has coached at Eastern Kentucky in the FCS. He's coached in this level of football. He looks totally outmatched. I mean, you bring up exactly what I was talking about in the game. Yeah. Watching it is that I've never seen a team. What are you doing? And I'm going to break it down to a real simple thing. If I'm lining up two tight ends, a quarterback underneath center and I formation, you know what I'm doing. I'm Mm -hmm. saying I'm coming right at you. You see if you can stop me. Mm -hmm. And in the process, what, what are the things I'm going to do? I'm going to do what Cardinal Mooney did for a hundred years. Run, 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 run. And then I'm going to slip the tight end over the middle and you're going to get beat back. Yep. And, yep. and that's, and that's was Don Butchie's style for many years. And it worked and at the high school level, like a charm. And he had the big guys up front and don't get me wrong. He, he made sure he had the, the bodies and the, and the players to make that offense work. Now, this is what I'm talking about. Know your skill set of your players and find a way to maximize those skill set. I don't, see an offense with a design with an identity with a purpose right now that's the major problem we have uh right now on the offense it can be changed in a heartbeat in a sense you can a little confidence and a little belief but you have to you have to know what you want to achieve and against north dakota we didn't do that against northern iowa we did not do that if you're going to be in a spread offense, that means you're going to have four receivers in pattern only, and you're going to use them as blockers and you're going to bring them in motion and you're going to run left and right and up the middle. And you're going to 
take advantage of a defense because you're spreading them out. That's what a philosophy is. That's what an identity is. It doesn't matter how you do it, but you have to believe in it and you have to be successful at it. Tom Brady has proven that it doesn't matter what offense he's in. It matters what you do with that offense. Uh, you look at New England. They've had three different people who were offensive coordinators that took them to championship games and, and Super Bowls. It wasn't always McDaniels. And then you see Tom Brady move down to Tampa. And it's a totally different offense. And it took them a few weeks to get into it and understand what's going on. But what happened? They put players around him. They still went with that philosophy. He adapted, brought in his own style to that offense. And what did they do? They ended up going undefeated in the second half and winning the Super Bowl. It's about understanding your skill set of your players and putting them in position to be successful. That will never change in football. I don't care what level of football you're talking about. It's understanding what your players do and how can you maximize their skills to help you win a ball game. And that will never change. And right now on the offensive side of the ball, they have no identity, they have no strengths, and they have nothing but weaknesses. And now how do you change that in coming in week three? Right now, you can't afford to lose a community in the spring saying that, well, we use these eight weeks for extended spring training. You can't do that. You're going to have nobody show up in the fall. You can't take that. You have to take the challenge that's in front of you. Yeah, I'm going to admit they're young and inexperienced, but you have to have a design and desire to succeed to put it through. First two weeks, I have not seen that. I Like I said, it's so early. I hope five years from now we're laughing at this. But truth exactly. of the matter Truth of the matter is, we don't have no, a, we have here and now we, exactly. We don't have a magic eight ball to tell us what's going to happen. We don't. All we can do is evaluate week to week. This week was worse than the previous week, Look, and, and that's a problem. When usually in football teams, week one to week two, you see week some two, of the biggest, make- biggest improvements in how your team operates. I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses, but maybe week two to week three. You finally have a normal schedule, a full a full seven yes. days playing in North Dakota on Sunday and then getting back early Monday morning and getting right back into it with a noon kickoff on Saturday. Look, it's different. It's weird. These guys have never had to do that before. So maybe more thought out looking team this week, because quite frankly, the defense was the only thing that showed up yesterday. Because the special teams was absolutely damn right abysmal. But this week, Tim, uh, we are back at home for another noon kickoff, like you mentioned at the top of the show, as we face the Southern Illinois Salukis, who are coming off an okay showing yesterday. They only took number one North Dakota State behind the woodshed. The Salukis are led by Nick Baker, quarterback, more of a uh, drop back pass or throw the ball down the field. Uh, Ramir Elliott and Jay Williams are their two running backs they like to go to. Uh, the Salukis, Tim, they took North Dakota State on the woodshed, and they didn't yeah. look back. That game was never competitive. Never. Ended competitive. what a thirty-nine game winning streak. I mean, yeah. it's phenomenal. Uh, Thirty-eight to fourteen, I believe, was the final score in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they did everything right. Look, they're going to come in here and and control the ball game. That's their desire from the from the onset. Mm-hmm. They already have now seen two weeks of what YSU. 
and they're not worried coming into this game. And now it's going to be, this is the challenge of this coaching staff to figure out a game plan coming into this week that shows life into this program. We know the defense is going to fight like hell. We already know that. And they're going to have their biggest challenge of the year. And we thought they faced. Yeah. Well, especially a team that has, has played as well as they have the first team. So now you have to come into this game knowing that everything's on your defense to create turnovers and to put yourself in short field positions to win. Now it's up to the coaching staff to make decisions, put their big boy pants on and decide what type of football team they are. Because if they come out flat, like they did the first two weeks offensively, then you're going to get boat race. Uh, this is going to be the longest eight weeks of the year. I mean, yeah. we talk, we, we love saying high school football season, the fastest 10 weeks in, in the, in the year. Well, this is going to be the longest eight weeks in the year. If you don't turn around your ship immediately like I said, it comes down to decision-making and putting your team in using their, your team's players' skill sets to the best of their ability. And even if they're young, challenge them to rise to the occasion because you don't want – right now, what I'm most afraid of is not YSU losing the ball game as much as YSU losing the community. Yeah. You're- Going forward, where come September – you have nobody cares. 2, 000, you have two thousand yeah. fans in a twenty thousand seat stadium. That's yeah. my concern. And this this week, I'm not expecting to win this week, Tim. I, I fully walked in the stadium Saturday, expecting to win the football game. I'm not expecting to win Saturday, like you said. I just want to compete and find find two or three guys on offense that will do something. Find me somebody that will do something and give us a spark that we can look at and say, you know what? Okay, we can brought around him and him. Uh, Penguins and Saluki Saturday at noon inside the stadium. Uh, Tim and I will have you covered with the Southern Illinois breakdown. We'll get back Sunday, hopefully, to to recap that. Preview South Dakota State, which is the Penguins' next road contest. But like Tim and I mentioned, YSU, Southern Illinois, Saturday at noon. Tim, any predictions or keys to the game or any last couple thoughts? Yeah. Basically, my keys to the game is the defense needs to play their their best game ever, uh, and they've played two terrific games. It's going to take turnovers and short fields to stay with this team, and quite honestly, it's going to take the decision makers to make decisions at quarterback. If they can't make a decision at quarterback, then I expect them not to score. Tim, I, I'm hoping we cross midfield three times. Honest to God, uh, if we're we're not thinking about scoring right now. We're just trying to cross midfield consistently. You just got to make a decision at quarterback. You can't exactly. continue down this road of alternating each play or every series. It's just, because the team's got to rally behind someone at some it, point. It, it comes down so, to making decisions. There you have it. I'm not going to make a prediction. I don't think Tim is either. We're just trying to get better. Maybe hope to God spring a ice castle miracle like we're accustomed to in the past. YSU takes on Southern Illinois in the third game of the spring season Saturday at noon. Tim and I will be back Sunday to break it down for you, and hopefully we will be in a better mood than this past week.